Lord, for this day that you have given us. Thank you for your extravagant, abundant love that you pour upon us moment by moment. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word that guides us and instructs us in the way that we should go. Help us to have listening ears and receptive hearts that we'll be able to receive your word and allow it to spring up and bear fruit in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We've been looking into the word of God at how the word works. All things are upheld by the word of his power and... There's power in the word, and the word spoken over our lives and in our lives creates an atmosphere and creates a difference in our living as we speak the word of God, as we embrace it in our, in our daily lives. And last week we um, ended with the parable of the sower. And I'll just pick up there today briefly, we won't go into it as much as we did last week, but just for many of you who were not here last week, just to kind of pick that up again. The parable of the sower is told in a number of places, but I'm looking at it from Matthew 13, where Jesus is explaining it. And again, just I'm going to just uh, read through this here in, in my Bible, because again, this is Jesus explaining the parable. So we're not left to wonder here. And this is the premise for everything he taught. This is a premise of it. This is where he started. This was the first, the first parable he told. He was trying to explain to people about his father, his kingdom, who he was, and he used these stories to help them understand. And so, again, it says here, therefore, the hear the parable of the sower, the, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. So it's important that we understand. Understanding is big, right? And we have, we talked about that a little bit last week, having the Holy Spirit is our teacher. When we don't understand, we can ask the Holy Spirit to come along and teach us. Teach me, Holy Spirit. I don't understand this. What do I need to understand from this? Then, But if we don't understand and we don't pursue it, then the wicked one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Jesus had told that story about the farmer planting seed and some fell by the wayside and so on and so forth. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. See that? There we we have something that we hear. We hear that from people often, don't we? Well, the word says this, and, you know, I heard that, but it didn't happen yet, so, you know... I'm out of here, kind of. They stumble at the word rather than embrace the word. And there's some perseverance that's needed also, isn't there, most of the time as we walk with the Lord and walk in his word. It's not always immediate. Now he who received the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. This person hears the word, good seed, but so focused on everything else that the word is that the, the the seed of the word of God is actually choked in their lives. Wow, something, right? So we talked about that a little bit last week. That nothing grows without some effort. Have to take it, when you want a garden, you have to dig, fix the soil, feed it, prepare it, water it, tend it, pull the weeds, on and on, right? 
our hearts. It's, it's a comparison to hearing the word with our heart. It takes some effort. It takes some preparation. It takes diligence. It doesn't just happen. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, bears fruit, and produces some 100, some 60, some 30. So there we have it. Jesus sets, a, sets us up to understand how important it is to not only hear his word, but to do it. There are people that read the word, go to church, say the right words, sounds like, you know, wear the right clothes, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, know how to fit in and out. (laughs) But unless we are embracing the word in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday life, also, we're deceiving ourselves. That's, that's, that's why we come together. It's part of the reason why we come together to hear God's word so that we can embrace it in the rest of our living and understand how to apply it to our daily lives. It's not just a Sunday morning, two hour little, you know, deal while we go and we take care of that. Now, okay, now I can go on and, and, and do the rest of my week and thank God that's over with. <laughs> so, sadly, you know, kind of where a lot of people are. So. We want to make sure that we're embracing it all, all the time, not just, not just when it's convenient or not just when we have that mentality, well, okay, now it's Sunday, now it's worship time, now it's Wednesday, or, you know, whatever our times are, you know, it, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be in our living. Yeah, a little further on in that chapter, he says in, in 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So in other words, Jesus was telling these stories to help unveil to people what the kingdom of heaven was all about. Jesus was saying to them, and we saw that in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you've heard that it's been said, and, and this is how it's been represented to you, but I'm telling you that it's like this. It's about your heart. And it's about what's inside. And, and, and he, he kept on trying to represent the kingdom of heaven, which he had come from. So he was a pretty good representative of it. What he said about it, could, you could take as, as accurate, because he had been there. And he was trying to reveal his father and his father's heart to, to those around him. And he was doing it with the parables to try and make it simple for the people to understand, understand, understand. Stories help us to understand things about ourselves as well as about the world around us, and sometimes also about spiritual matters as well. Stories are helpful. Some people say, oh, I never read anything fiction. Well, that's a, I mean, that's, that's your choice, but, but, but there's, there's, a, there's value in stories. Stories are easier for us to connect with sometimes because uh, they're, not, they're not about us, and it re- helps us to remove ourselves from our own situation. And we can connect with a character or something. And then all of a sudden, sometimes that like takes us out of our, you know, the box that we're in and opens us up to another thought. And so we go, oh, you know, or whatever. It, it, it's very, it can be very helpful and very enlightening for us. So stories have value. Jesus knew people like to listen to stories. Uh, anytime you, you sit down with your kids and say, once upon a time, they're all listening. <laughs> Once upon a time, we want to hear that. Even as adults, we like to hear a story. A good story, uh, well told, is something that we all enjoy. 
And Jesus knew that. He knew that that was a wonderful tool to connect with, with people's hearts. And so then he tells them many things there about the kingdom of heaven. In Mark 4, at the end of there, it says, And with many parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. So here we see that he's constantly explaining to his disciples what, what those parables mean and how he's the fulfillment of the old and, and constantly explaining it to them. And we see later on, after the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that they, they got it, didn't they? A lot of, they, they remembered how he told them that he was the fulfillment of this and the fulfillment of that. And, and, and we get that from, from the epistles and from, from the apostles' lives afterwards. Then it's, uh, we go to, um, I have a harmony of the, of the Gospels here, so I'm sorry it kind of jumps around for you, but Luke in Luke 8, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. There have the gospel called good tidings, glad tidings. It's good news. It's good news. The gospel is good news. It sure was good news for people that were down and out in his day and age because he didn't withhold it from them. Remember I told you this, that the poor and those who were, you know, not like, it was more like a caste, you know, system more more than we have. I mean, we have poor in our world, but, you know, there were those who were wealthy, those who were, who were like leaders and teachers and rulers, and then, you know, women and people who were poor and sick and whatever, they, they were just considered like trash, I mean, pretty much, you know, like not even worth the time of day. And Jesus, when, when somebody had leprosy, they had, they had to go live out in a separate place. And if they had to come in town for something to buy to the market or something, they had to call out real loud, ahead of themselves, unclean, or have somebody with them that said, unclean, here comes a leper, here comes a leper, everybody would run away. Wow. I mean, imagine. I mean, and when a leper came to Jesus, what did Jesus do? He touched the leper and healed the leper. Wow, that was really radical. And, you know, they dragged a woman in front of him who they had somehow caught in adultery. What did he do? They were ready to stone. They wanted him to stone her. What did he do? He said, well, whoever has never sinned here without sin, go ahead, you know, throw the stones. And they couldn't do that. <laughs> and Jesus picked her up and said, I don't condemn you. Go, sin no more. He lifted her. Wow, that was different. He, he said, I have to go to Samaria. There was a woman there had had five husbands. He didn't say, you promiscuous slut, what are you doing talking to me? No, that's what the Jews did. The Jews wouldn't have nothing to do with, with, with them. The Jews made a big circle around Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through it. God forbid, they would get contaminated. And Jesus said, I have to go talk to a woman at the well. And he told her, go get your husband. He, she said, I don't have one. He said, yeah, that's true. And the one you're living with now isn't your, your husband. But he told her that he was the Messiah and that he had living water for her and that she could drink of that living water. Wow. Again, he treated the people around him. He, pre- he brought the gospel to them. The gospel was truly good news. It elevated all of those people 
that were considered of no value, it lifted them all up onto the same, same level. And, of course, that made the ones who thought that they were way up here very angry because now they were, Jesus was level in the playing field. And so they didn't like that, of course. And yet that was, that was what the gospel did. And there were other little boats also. And a great windstorm arose. Well, we know about that. We had one last night, didn't we? <laughs> See, a few limbs came down in the area. A great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling with water, of course. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Jesus was tired, and so he slept. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not know that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. First of all, they had Jesus in the boat, so they could have been more trusting that he was actually, that they were actually going to make it to the other side. And they wake him up in a panic, and what does he do? What does he do? He doesn't start bailing the, the boat out, helping them, he doesn't start helping them, you know, <laughs> bail the water out. He... <laughs> He speaks. Okay, here we're talking about the word and the power of the word. And what does he do? He speaks to the wind and the waves. And he says, peace, be still. And what happens? It, 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 it becomes still. Great calm comes. Wow, powerful words, right? Would to God our words were that powerful. <laughs> yeah. And so we see here that You know, he had the dominion. He had the dominion, and he was still the creator. He was still in charge. And um, if the enemy, you know, the enemy stirs up storms around us sometimes, doesn't he? And we need to speak to those storms and say, be still. We may not have the dominion yet over the elements, but he's given us authority over the storms of life that come against our hearts where we can stand and say, peace, be still, allow, I will allow the peace of God to rule in my heart and in my mind, because that's, that's, that's his word. The peace of God that passes understanding shall keep our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. I will choose to think on these things. And so we do, we have that authority in our lives to speak peace when things are rocking our boat and tumultuous and we don't know how how we're going to get to where where to the other side we have his word to speak over our lives and to get us there and and he expects us to do that he he said to the disciples what are you thinking guys i'm here where's your faith aren't you don't, don't you get it yet who i am that i have you know and so he's and he's looking for us to get it he's looking for us to get it who he is, and that he's God in our lives, and that he's, he's provided for us. And whatever our need is at the present moment, there's a supply. Our job is to tap into it, receive it, appropriate it, utilize it. And then uh, they get to the other side, and there's this demon-possessed man who has a legion, many, many demons, 
that he's dealing with. And, you know, when we read this, of course, this man was out living in the tombs or cemeteries or whatever, and it was, it was an extreme case, of course. But, you know, there's people, there's people in the church realm that are dealing with demonic, <laughs> demonic oppression and depression and, and, um, spiritual, spiritual stuff where there's been strong, there's strongholds or footholds in their life, however you want to say it. And they, they're struggling because of stuff that's happened in their lifetimes. There's times where, where they've been through hurtful things and, and the enemy has just gotten a foothold or a stronghold in their life. And, and there's just stuff that, that, that we deal with sometimes and it's not pretty. But we have a resource. We have a resource. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And that's, you know, that, that should help us. You know, we, when we, when we see people who are struggling and clearly have some, some, you know, strong issues in their life, we can't just write them off. We need to extra pray for them and pray for them that God will, will somehow get them the help that they'll be willing to receive it. And that they'll embrace his word more and more until those things get broken. Jesus has the power to break all of those things, all of those things in our lives. And we don't, we don't judge one another for having, you know, having struggles. No, we don't write people off. No, we pray for them. We stand with them. We try to see to it that they get the help. And of course, the best thing is to get under the word, get under the word and, and get into worship and start speaking the word yourself. And so I just say all that because that's a huge part of why some Christians or people who attend church sometimes never get any further or, you know, we've all known people 20 years later still praying about the same things in their lives. Why is that? It's because this, the there's never been the receptivity to realize this is what I'm dealing with. I need help. I need I need to I need to receive God's word to change this area in my life. This is an issue that needs a, a real attention. And we can get so comfortable sometimes with things that have just we've grown up with, so so to speak. We can get comfortable with stuff. But we always want to be bringing ourselves before the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever needs to go, whatever you need to minister to, whatever you see, you know, I can't always see uh, what, what, what I need, but you do. And I just want to put myself in that place where you can get at me and you can give me the help that I need. Your word, your word, show me how to apply it to my life. Show me, show me, lead me forward. I don't want to stay stuck. I don't want to... St- you know, be a hamster going on around on a treadmill for the rest of my life. Um, I, I want to receive. I want to receive your help and 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 be able to move forward. And as long as we're willing, He helps us. And so again, like I said, I, one of my reasons in stopping there a little today was just to say, you know, that's the when when the body of Christ is really functioning, we're able to grant each other that kind of grace that says. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to pray. I see they're struggling. I see they have issues, but I know the power of God. I know the word of God is able to help them, to deliver them. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit having faith for them and believing God for them. And, you know, 
um, when we've struggled and, and there's were people who prayed for us, wow, we were thankful for that, aren't we? We're so thankful for that. And so that's the gift we can give to one another all the time, is, is we can continue to pray for those who struggle and are in bondage to demonic and satanic uh, oppression and depression. And Jesus is able to deliver us from, from all of it, from all of it. This man had many, many, many demons, and Jesus delivered him from them all. And it was so dramatic that it scared the people <laughs> who lived in that area, and they actually asked Jesus not, not to stay there. They, they were like, this is a little too much for us. You better, you better, you better move on. That's, that's a shame, isn't it? Because here's the one who has the solution, who has the answers, who has the help, and they're like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. We never want to be uncomfortable with what the Lord is trying to give to us. It always leads us, like what Pastor says, repentance, and repentance leads us to, is a doorway to blessing. And so when God shows us, shows up in our lives and speaks to us and speaks to a need in our, in our hearts and lives, and we embrace it, it only brings us out into something that's so much better than the place where we were, that it's like we, afterwards we go, man, why did it take me so long? I should have, I should have, I should have got there a little quicker. But it's okay because God is patient with us and he knows, he, he, he understands our humanness and how there's only so much we could take at a time. You know, we, we want to like force people into right away where, where they should be or could be, ought to be. And, and the Lord's not like that. He's gentle and he, he's a gentle shepherd and he leads us gently along as we are able to receive and embrace it little by little. Yes, he wants there to be forward progression, and it's based on our willingness, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not brutal to us. He's, he's gentle with us. He leads us gently. And so there's comfort in that, isn't there? Then we have the story, Jairus. He was a ruler of a synagogue. So he was an important guy. <laughs> and remember, that's the kind of world we're, we're dealing with now, okay? This, um, everything's based on your position and who you are. And he was the ruler of the synagogue. So now, now you know, in their, their thinking, of course, this is most important. And when he saw Jesus, he begged him earnestly, saying, I'm in Mark 5, come and lay your hands on my daughter. She's dying and that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And while he's going, of course, the lady with the issue of blood comes and... She doesn't even want anybody to know that she's present. She just wants to touch the hem of his garment and get out of there. <laughs> and you know how he stops and he says, uh-oh, somebody touched me. He felt that healing virtue go out. Somebody reached out in faith and touched him. And he stops and he, he speaks to her and he makes her acknowledge that she's been healed. And there's something about that too when we know we've, We've, that Jesus has touched us, we need to tell it. We need to speak it out. We need to speak out the things that Jesus has done for us, not keep it to ourselves. Well, of course, this was a delay. Jairus was desperate. It was, time was of the essence. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is already dead. Don't, don't, don't even bother the, the, the master anymore. And as soon as Jesus heard the word... That was spoken. 
he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Wow. Now think about that. (laughs) They come with these words of doom and death. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? We hear sometimes, you know, sometimes people get a bad diagnosis or words of doom and death or destruction. What does Jesus say to our hearts? His words are important. Do not fear, only believe. Don't, don't quit, don't quit believing. Don't, 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 don't put God out of the mix. Keep him, keep him in the mix. And so he comes to the house and saw a tumult. Now you were all weeping and wailing and crying already. And Jesus said to him, why are you making all this noise? The child isn't dead, but she's sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but he put them all out. And then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. He speaks to her. He speaks to her. And even the dead responded to, to, to his voice. Wow. How much more should we who are living respond to his voice when we hear it? The power of his voice and the word, his word. There's power in it. And we respond to it. Amen. And so this was a wonderful, wonderful miracle. All right. And then, of course, now we're back in Matthew 13 again, where Jesus now came to pass in, in, in verse 53, 1353, came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Josie, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Many people don't even realize that Jesus had sisters. And where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. Jesus had siblings. And, (laughs) yeah. And they knew them. And they knew the family. And they knew that his dad was a carpenter, you know, like, like, like around here, everybody knows everybody. Oh, they're from that family, and oh, yeah, that guy was in jail, and this one did drugs, and this one did the other thing, and <laughs> the whole laundry list, you know, is the backdrop of of what people see, uh, know about about one another. And that's what was going on here. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the mega New York City type metropolis type of of atmosphere. It was it was hometown. <laughs> it was hometown, and they knew the history. And so they, when Jesus went and taught, notice that he, had, he and he did this more than we realize, because it says this number numbers of times. He would go into the synagogue, and the synagogue was where the Jews met, right, and try to teach them the word. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works from? Isn't this the carpenter's son? And so again, you know, we see the choice. We hear the word, we have choice. We can either say, that's not for me. I ain't taking that. Well, okay. See, see how that works for you. <laughs> or we can bow and we can embrace it. And it always, it always catapults us forward when we do. Catapults us forward when we embrace it. Yeah. We were over here. We embrace the word that comes to us. Bingo. We're, we're way over here. No time. All of a sudden we, and we're like, wow, how'd that happen? How, how, how did I get from there? <laughs> You embrace the word. You embrace the word. Every time you embrace the word, 
forward you go. Go past go, collect $200. <laughs> however you want to put it, however it makes you, helps you understand it, the word works. The word works. And it, and it gets us to where we need to be. And so, I'm going to stop there for today, but let's just continue to embrace God's word with all of our hearts. And um, no matter how it comes to us, sometimes we don't like how it comes to us. Um, you know, we have our preferences. <laughs> and uh, we, we don't mind if it comes this way, or sometimes if, it, if, it, if we get the, the thought, you know, then we're okay with it. But if somebody else tells us, then, well, you know, I don't know. Well, we need to be open and willing to hear God's word however it comes to us and embrace it with our whole hearts. We'll we'll move forward in leaps and bounds and God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And so let's keep on embracing his word, sharing his word, spreading his word, living his word. The word works. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word and for all that it means to our hearts, for all it's already done for our hearts. And, Lord, we never want to stop. We want to always continue allowing you to lead us forward and to teach us and to show us what we need to change and how we need to live in order to be pleasing in your sight. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you that you're a gentle shepherd, that you don't push and shove us, but you gently lead us along. We love you for that, Lord, and thank you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.